Welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. It's Wednesday, August 31st, and we're here with you updating the news all day, every weekday. Here's the latest. We've got new details about the government search of Mar-a-Lago and what the DOJ says was likely obstruction of justice. According to a midnight court filing, Trump and his attorneys were given weeks to hand over sensitive documents, and Trump's counsel swore in a written oath that they'd conducted a diligent search. But the filing says the government found evidence that Trump's team likely concealed and removed records in order to hamper the investigation. And when the FBI finally showed up at Mar-a-Lago, the documents were all over the place, in desk drawers, in an office. The feds recovered more than 100 papers marked as classified, twice as many as had been voluntarily returned. Mikhail Gorbachev, the last president of the Soviet Union who helped lift the Iron Curtain and bring an end to the Cold War, has died. He was 91. He was lionized in the West and awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1990 for ending the war without bloodshed. Gorbachev embraced modernization and reform, pushing for openness, efficiency, and the freedom of speech and the press. Though at home in Russia, it was more complicated. Many blamed him for the dismantling of the USSR and the economic pain that brought. World leaders have been expressing an outpouring of condolences, including President Biden, who called Gorbachev, quote, a man of remarkable vision. Joe Biden is in full-on campaign mode, and at a rally in Pennsylvania, the president gave a preview of expected talking points meant to drum up Democratic turnout ahead of the midterms. He tried to flip the script on law enforcement, painting Republicans as obstructing police funding. And he renewed calls for more gun legislation, saying better laws would help cops do their jobs. More children in America die from guns than active-duty police and active-duty military in the United States combined. We have to act. Life expectancy in the U.S. dropped in 2021, largely thanks to COVID-19. That's the second year in a row. In the before times, a.k.a. 2019, people born in the U.S. could expect to live to nearly 80 years old. In 2020, that dropped to 77 years. And in 2021, to about 76. It turns out, though, it's just us. Other high-income countries saw their life expectancy go back up last year. And NPR says that, in a sign of how even public health became politicized during the pandemic, counties that voted for Donald Trump had higher death rates than those that voted for Joe Biden. Despite fears of a possible recession, the U.S. labor market is still having a hot girl summer. In July, employers posted over 11 million job openings, according to a monthly report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics released Tuesday. And all those openings are putting power in the hands of workers, which is fueling union victories at top companies like Trader Joe's and Chipotle. Unions have become much more popular. 71% of Americans are pro-union, according to a new Gallup poll. That's the highest in over 50 years. Hey, if you like any of these segments that we're producing for the refresh from Insider, did you know that you can share any of them on social media? It's true. Just look in the description section of your podcast app and you'll see a little share link next to each story. It's super easy. Give it a try. 
today and every day we're updating the refresh from Insider as news happens, so check back whenever you want to know the latest. Airbnb continues to market itself as a quaint alternative to corporate hotels. But if you've actually stayed in an Airbnb in the last few years, you've likely not gotten that homey feeling. That's because more and more Airbnb listed properties are kept solely as short term rentals owned by wealthy entrepreneurs or big investment firms. Kelly Maria Kordaki is a senior editor at The Atlantic, and she's here to tell us why that matters. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So beyond truth in advertising, why does it matter that Airbnb is no longer just this home sharing app for regular folks anymore? Well, first of all, part of the appeal, a huge part of the appeal is that it is not a hotel, that it's a more authentic Mm -hmm. experience of of a place when you're traveling. But also more, I think, pressingly is that these corporatized Airbnb hosting schemes end up taking housing off the market houses become effectively hotels and are no longer available mm. to residents to live in in places where there is already a very high population density and housing shortage that is a huge problem paint a picture of the people or corporations as you write that own a lot of these airbnb listings so the founder of inside airbnb It's a watchdog organization that's basically run by this activist, Murray Cox, who built a data scraping site that analyzes the data of Airbnb operations all over the world. I was talking to Murray about this, and he's just like, oh, they come in all shapes and sizes, but most fall into the broad bucket of property entrepreneurs. So that means individual investors But it also means private equity firms, hedge funds. It means asset management groups that are looking to expand their asset holdings and already kind of dabbling in real estate. And actually in the past like year, there have been a number of major investment firms that have either announced plans or or quietly established funds to support holding companies for property assets in short-term rental, Hmm. like Airbnb. So it's really a huge kind of quiet shift that's happening in the background of real estate investment, property investment. So going back to this massive growth Airbnb has had, why is it so hard for cities to actually do something about that? Well, the short answer is that Airbnb's anonymized listings and their bookings and calendars, they make it really, really, really difficult for cities to be able to tell whether a short-term rental is actually being operated by somebody who lives there versus as part of a a larger professional hosting scheme. Cities have a lot going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You would need a like full-time staff dedicated to this kind of investigation to be able to keep tabs 100% of the time. So Kelly, the end of your story gets into the what next about what cities with housing shortages can do to deal with Airbnb. Talk about that a little and let us know how likely you think any of them are to succeed. Well, I cannot predict which cities will succeed and, and by what measures. But I do know that the experts that I've spoken to say that New York City, San Francisco, Santa Monica, these are all really models for how short-term rentals can be properly regulated. 
where it's just more difficult for big money investors to build up illegal hotel businesses using housing stock. And, you know, as these cities are able to continue going forward with a bit more time to see the longer term effects of regulations that in some cases are pretty new, we'll be able to see just how effective they are. And potentially other cities can kind of compare and contrast and and determine which parts of different regulatory platforms they might be able to adopt for themselves. Kelly, thanks so much for chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Kelly Maria Korducki is a senior editor at The Atlantic. Make sure to follow the Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play the Refresh from Insider podcast. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Dave Smith. Talk to you soon. Bye.